in this series, uh, Seven Statements of Faith, what we believe here at Springhouse. And we're, we tried our best when we put these seven statements of faith together to call down to the important stuff, to the essential stuff. And this is the last one that we came up with. Did you stand with us? We're going to talk about the return of Christ today, but first we're going to read a passage from the book of Acts. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the promises that are in your word. I thank you for the power of your word. And I pray, Lord, that it would be powerful in our lives today, that you would impact the way we look at ourselves, the way we look at, at our neighbors, the way that we look at this world, and the way that we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> The seventh of our statements of faith says this, we believe that Jesus Christ will make an imminent physical return to earth to destroy the world system and establish the literal kingdom of God upon the earth. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Imminent physical return. This is not, this is not some nebulous spiritual move. This is a physical invasion upon the earth, and I think we're good and ready for it, to be very honest. Uh, the physical is very important. If you do not believe that Christ physically rose from the dead, then you've ripped the heart out of the power of the gospel. It's absolutely essential. Bruce was talking about this a few weeks ago. Paul says over in 1 Corinthians 15, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. He physically rose from the dead and started appearing to people. And it's one thing to write that at a time when you kind of go, you got to take my word for it. Something else to write it at a time when he says, look, there are almost 500 people who are still alive who saw him. You can find them. You can go talk to them. They can confirm or deny. We physically, literally saw Jesus Christ raised from the dead. So the, the physical is, is very important. In fact, Paul says as a first importance, we so often focus on that which is second or third or fourth or fifth or 105th in importance, and we go off on these bunny trails, 
of things that we can't understand anyway, and once we did understand them, it wouldn't necessarily impact the way that we live. The important thing is this. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and God raised him from the dead for our justification so that we might live and have eternal life. That's, that, is the, uh, that is the essential of the gospel. I, I said that we tried to cull things down when we, when we made these seven statements of faith. There are a number of other things that we could have addressed, and there are things that we love to talk about, and you know, these are my ideas, and this is what I believe. These are the essentials. This is, this is the, once, once we begin to go down those bunny trails, we begin, to, uh, we begin to get confused, and we confuse people around us, and sometimes it gets hard to see Jesus. Christ rose from the dead. In fact, Paul goes on to say, Corinthians, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If you don't believe Christ physically rose from the dead, you don't have any, you have nothing of value to preach. Nothing. And they say, well, when I wait a minute, you know, I mean, you can preach, you know, love your neighbor, do good, be kind. Why? Back at the Lord's Chapel, my, my pastor, Billy Roy Moore, had this saying that he would throw out most any time something bad or maybe even something good or, you know, something happened, yeah. Uh, and what he would say is, 100 years from now, nobody knows the difference. The truth of the matter is, somebody cut you off in traffic? Day after tomorrow, nobody knows the difference. Don't even have to wait 100 years. Yeah. It's like, well, but don't you think you really need to love people and be kind to people? Yeah, but because Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, that's why I think it. Not because I'm, I'm going to, if there is no God and if there is no, if there is no resurrection from the dead, who cares? I mean, my, my, my great, great, great grandfather, Moses Meek, You've heard me speak of him, the father of Moses Christopher. Anyway, uh, I don't know if he's good or not. I mean, he fought in the Revolutionary War. And Mar- I told Margaret, I said, he was in the Revolutionary War. And she said, which side? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot to ask that. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know if he, you know, that was just two, 200 years ago. I, there's nothing that he did 200 years ago except have a son who ended up resulting in me. That matters to me at all. <laughs> Something got said. Oh, did I say it? <laughs> okay, anyway. So anyway, I'm going to get off of this point at, at right now, but I'm just saying that, uh, you know, preaching is worthless and so is your faith if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead. In the same way, if you do not believe that Christ will physically return to the earth, you've ripped the heart and power out of the blessed hope. How many of you have, uh, have heard this, this phrase, the blessed hope? How many of you are familiar with it? Oh, okay, yeah. The, the early services, it was a larger percentage. It, it, it's actually, it comes from the Bible. I grew up, situation I grew up in, we, we heard about it a lot. 
uh, grew up hearing this term, and it was described. It was t- it, most most people who've heard this term, if you ask them what it was concerning, they would say it's the rapture. It's uh, our being caught away to meet the Lord in the air, and we and we will be caught away to meet the Lord in the air. I don't know a lot of the details. You know, I don't know. You know, if it's going to be seven years before or seven seconds before or, or, or what it's going to be. But, yeah, it'll happen because the Scripture said it'll happen. But that's not what the blessed hope is. Not what, not what the Bible says the blessed hope is. And you're going to think that I'm kind of splitting hairs here, but it's very important because Titus is where it comes from, Titus 2.13. The blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You say, well, yeah, isn't that when we're going to... Uh, uh, be, be raptured in that when we're going to go to meet it. Yeah, but the focus isn't on us. See, the big deal isn't that we're getting out of here. The big deal is he's coming here. He, he's going to come here. Not that we're leaving. And, you know, we, uh, we, we talk about, oh, the blessed hope. One of these days, man, I'm, I'm leaving here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly up in the sky. I'm going to be gone from this. That's not the deal. This place belongs to him. He's coming for it. That's what the blessed hope is. The main focus is his appearing. This world is not our home. We we just sang that. This world isn't our home, but this planet, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The planet belongs to him. When I say this world is not my home, it doesn't mean that, you know... Something's wrong with Tennessee means something's wrong with the world. And there's a difference there. Because the world isn't necessarily, we call the earth the world, but really the world is the system that resides here. What it is. And Christ will come and he will destroy the world system. And we're going to spend pretty good amount of time talking about that this morning because because it's important because we're so caught up in it what is the world system first john chapter 2 verses 15 and 16 and if you've been here very long you've heard me teach on this before but you know what you didn't nobody hears it the first time they hear it or the third time or the fourth time do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father's not in him. Now, that's, that's powerful. That's pretty powerful. I, I, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw a corollary off of this, and I'm going to say that to the degree that we love the world, to that degree, we don't have any of the love of God in us. The more the love of God, the less we love the world, the less grip it's got on us. So what is it? Everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. What the world is, is very succinctly put in a little 30-second clip that I'm going to show here from 1972 movie Cabaret. Money. Money. Money 
You thought love makes the world go round? No. Love's got nothing to do with the world. Or the world has nothing to do with love. It's got to do with this. That's where the that's that's where the power, that's where the influence, that's where all of those things come from. Commerce, education, healthcare, agriculture, military, all of uh, politics, all of these things. It's the world. And we have a tendency to think, well, it's the world other places. It's redeemed here. It's the world. It's the world all places. And some of it, you know, you look at it, some of it you kind of go, well, but some of this is good. Yeah, it's got some good in it. But the system that underlies it is rotten to the core, is destructive, and is, in fact, evil. And it's composed primarily of three things. The lust of the flesh, the NIV calls it the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the flesh will do some... That's, uh, that's from the New American Standard, and I like that translation. And it's what it's always been, because these are the only three things that are in the world. In the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, when Eve was tempted to eat the fruit, she saw that it was good for food. Mm-mm-mm. Love those buffets. Yeah. And then Jesus, when he was being tempted in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights, he was hungry. The devil comes to him and says, well, you're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. Jesus says, oh, man doesn't live on bread alone. There's, some, there's something more important. The world system lives on bread alone. That's what, that's what fires the world system up, but I'm not part of the world system. Lust of the flesh, it's not just about food, but it's about those things that we desire. And it's so subtle. It gets a hold of us in such a subtle way. The the desires for things that, you know, um, the Scripture says that if we uh, uh, trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, He'll direct our paths. And and if we put our lives in in His hands and, and follow His ways, He'll give us the desires of our heart. And oftentimes... We tend to think that, you know, God, I'm following you with everything I've got. I've been a good boy. I really want a Lamborghini. And your word says, what the word says, what the word means is that when we're, as we let go of the world and grab hold of him, then those desires that come up inside of our heart are the things that will do us good. You see, if the desire of your heart, if God, you know, if God wants you to have a Lamborghini, that's weird. 
But, you know, I, I'm sure it's possible, but it's just weird. I, I, you know, I can't get my mind around it. But, uh, you know, if he does, look, you don't have a Lamborghini. A Lamborghini has you. You got to park that thing on the lower 40 so that nobody will scratch it. You, you will have to walk uh, a half a mile to get to anywhere you're going because of where you got to park this thing. And, and, the, and the insurance, that's got to be a house payment. For sure. I mean, you could have two kids for what it would cost you to have a Lamborghini. And one might be a greater blessing than it might, might be, actually is a greater blessing. But sometimes we want these things so much that the world desire, put, puts out there and that, and that lust of the flesh comes up so much, we don't have room for the things that God would like to bring up in our lives. Can't go there, can't do that, because I got this. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And it's not just about men looking at women, if I can say that. In fact, here she is again. Eve saw that it was pleasing to the eye. Looked good. And when Jesus, was, when Jesus was being tempted, it says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their splendor and said, if you'll just bow down, you can have all this that you see. And once again, it's very, very subtle. And like I say, it's not just, it's not just men that have a problem with the lust of the eyes. I mean, there's a reason why they sell so many papers on the day before Black Friday. How many of you have ever uh, gotten up on Black Friday and gone to do that thing? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I know. No, not me. I, I don't ever do that. Yeah. How many of you have learned your lesson? You know, now if it's electronics or something, there might, you know, if we're talking about bad. There's something going on out there today that I'm not aware of. All right, we're going to move on here. But I mean, have you ever, have you ever gone to a clothing store on Black Friday that's got a real special and you, and, you, and you try to get in there, but all of these men are fighting over these shoes and purses and stuff. <laughs> Maybe not. It might be, yeah, they're buying, you're buying Christmas presents for their wife. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're doing. Yeah. See, when, you say, when we say lust of the eyes, we immediately think of sexual immorality. What we immediately think of. No, it's a much bigger category in terms of the world. I mean, Satan didn't take Jesus up and tempt him with sexual immorality. He showed him the kingdoms of the world. Did you want some of this? And you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be the whole world because oftentimes he just shows us this much and says, you want some of this? We go, yeah, looks good. What have I got to do? Just worship me a little bit. Follow the money. You'll get it. The boastful pride of life. 
Once again, Eve saw that it was desirable for gaining wisdom. Nothing wrong with having wisdom. The thing is, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They already knew all about good. The only thing this enabled them to do was to learn about evil. You know, and we're, and we're so messed up that we kind of tend to think, ooh, evil, oh, duh. <clears throat> the problem, and, I'm, and this isn't about biology, this is about social or biology or whatever you want to make it about, but the problem with the notion of evolution is that the notion of evolution is that we're getting better and better and better. Uh-uh. Getting worse and worse and worse. Our toys are getting better. Our modes of transportation, maybe, are getting better. Our abilities to kill each other are becoming far more efficient and getting better. But is our air getting better? Are our lakes getting better? Are our forests getting Is the environment getting better? Is this a better place to live? Is the food better? Uh, you know, uh, no. It's, it's, it's going in the other direction. People, are people more or less, how do I say this? It's 100 years ago, 500 years ago, people were so connected to life, connected to each other. A soul was a real thing. And now that connection, we're, we're losing our grip on it the boastful pride of life this one trips us up real often and, and obviously well satan took jesus to the the highest place in the temple the holy city had him stand at the highest point of the temple said if you're the son of god throw yourself down for it is written he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone in other words you might be the son of god but prove it wouldn't it be so cool if in front of all those people you just threw yourself off and some angels swooped in and whoosh, caught you and everybody went, oh, man, is he something special. How often do we rise to that bait? You ever, you ever known anybody who knew more than you know and, or thought they knew more than you know and was very concerned with you knowing that they knew more than you know? You ever, you ever met anybody like that? Have you ever been that person? Yeah. We live in Nashville, people. All kinds of folks come here because they want to be famous. There's nothing wrong with being famous if God gives it to you. He, I mean, he, he told David, I'll make your name great, like one of the greatest in all of the earth. But the scripture says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and in due season, he will lift you up. Either that or you can go after the boastful pride of life. Those are the only things that are in the world. That is, that is what the world system is. <laughs> Why must it be destroyed? Well, all of this comes not from the Father, but from the world. And Peter tells us, and I didn't put this verse down on the, on the back of the outline there, but you might want to write it down, 2 Peter 1, 4. It's an important verse. He tells us that there's an inevitable corruption in the world caused by evil desires. 
is what the world's all about anyway. That, and so, in other words, it's going, to be, it's going to be destroyed anyway. Left to its own devices, it, it may be shiny on the outside, but it's rotten to the core. See, love, love doesn't make the world go round, but it is the gold standard in the kingdom. It's what makes the kingdom go round. But it's not what makes the world go round. And 1 John 5, 19 says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Whole world. And yet we think if we just elect this guy, if we just were able to get this company to come in, if we were just able to enact this law, something, things would change. It will get better. No. The whole world. Doesn't matter what, syst- what economic system you grow up under. Doesn't matter what political system you grow up under. It doesn't matter where you go to school. The whole, it's, it's dangerous out there. Now, I'm not saying, so let's hunker down and get in our little Christian bunker because that's not what we're called to do either. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we're called to be salt and light in the world. But we need to realize when we go out into the world what it is we're dealing with and who it is that's in charge of it. All of it. We have to intentionally take the kingdom. And I'm not talking about, you know, intentionally getting up on our soapbox or anything. I'm talking about carrying the life and love and presence of Christ, the fragrance of Christ is what Paul called it into the world. All of these things try to replace God in our lives. Bow down and worship me and I'll give you this. All of these things are an attempt to get something lesser for ourselves when in reality God has already freely given it all to us. You know, eat of this fruit and you'll be like God. Well, God's already created them in his own image. They started being not like God when they did that because God doesn't sin. What will the destruction look like? Well, to put it succinctly, many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Think about the implications of that for a second. Those who are enfranchised in the world are not going to like this because they're not used to being last. Used to being first and go, yeah, those people. <clears throat> Us. I mean, millions of people in the world, yes have the standard of living and the comforts and everything that we've got and even the freedoms that we've got. Millions of them do, but billions of people in the world are way behind in terms of being enfranchised in this world and what this world has to offer. Now, I'm not saying that that means that when Christ comes that we're all going to, you know, all, all of us who have nice green shirts and uh, drive Nissans, you know, are going to be walking and, and riding donkeys and things, although that might be fun. Uh, but it says many, many who are first will be last. Many who are last will be first. And there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a longer description. So, 
there's going to be a lot of blowback when he comes to change this thing. What will it look like? Revelation 18, verses 11 through 24, describes the destruction of Babylon, which is a symbol of the world. It's symbolic for the world. And it says this, The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. And then it goes on to describe them. Gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood and articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh and frankincense, of wine and olive oil, of fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages and bodies and souls of men. Nobody's going to be buying this stuff anymore. You know why? Because money makes the world go round, but money is no value whatsoever in the kingdom of God. Money has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Every sea captain, all who travel by ships, earn their living from the sea, will stand afar off when they see the smoke of her burning. They will throw dust on their heads and weep in mourning and cry out. And so this world, this, this system that we are so implanted in, the music of harpists and musicians, flute players and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. Doesn't mean there aren't going to be Flute players and musicians and trumpeters, but they'll never be heard in the world again. No workman of any trade will ever be found in you again. Talk about a sea shift and change. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants were the world's great men. By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. When Christ comes, we, we, we can't even imagine what the change is going to be like. It is so out of our frame of reference. What will replace it? What will replace it is the kingdom of God. That's what we were, we were created. We were, we were created to have a king rule over us. And there is a rightful king, and he will. The nations aren't going to take it very well. Psalm 2 says the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain and the kings of the earth take their stand and they gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one. In fact, the scripture says that when he comes back, all the armies of the earth will be gathered together to try and prevent it. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. <laughs> the one enthroned in heaven laughs, scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss 
the sun, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Earth defeats the invaders only in Hollywood. When the real invasion comes, the military's going to lose. Though all of the nations of the earth gather together to try and prevent it. And those who are deeply entrenched in this world system are not going to want this king, are not going to want the rightful owner of the earth to return, but those who seek refuge in him. Why wouldn't we want him? Oh, please, come. Come. I'm so tired of dreading what may be on the homepage at MSNBC when I click on it in the morning or Google News or whatever it is that you get your information from. What terrible thing has happened now? Ready for it to stop. Isaiah 65 is one of the passages that describes the kingdom, and this is what it says. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. You'll have to be 150 to play on the senior tees. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. Mm. I don't have much time, but I just got to tell you, I built a shed. Use some, uh, you know, power tools and stuff. Big gloves. (laughs) Put that thing together. It's almost done. Oh, you know, the only thing I got to do is (laughs) figure out how to hang doors in a door opening that's not square. Uh, But aside from that, it is looking good. And it's waterproof. Yes, sir. Uh... The roof is. I put that thing on myself. Uh, and there's a, there is a satisfaction to having built something. Yeah, I said, they're going to build houses and live in them. I mean, the, the people who live in the governor's club are going to be envious of these people who built these. The, I don't think it's just going to be, you know, house. You know, this is the kingdom of God we're talking about here. They will plant vineyards. Eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. Imagine that. For most of us, the work that we do, we don't even enjoy it while we're doing it. Much less long enjoy it. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, but dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. Mm-mm-mm. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. I want to live. I want to go. I want to live there. 
heard a guy talking the other day he's from la and he was talking about the fact that uh you know that it's uh south central la is, is apparently the home of drive-by shootings and and drive-in restaurants drive-through restaurants drive-bys and drive-throughs and they said the thing is the drive-throughs are killing more people than the drive-bys The world's a insidious thing. They will neither harm nor destroy. The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm out of time, but let me tell you this. Uh, I, I hope we're out of time, too. His return is imminent. Uh, I, I've still got something to say to you, so you might not want to clap when I finish. Uh, his return is imminent. I love it where Jesus says, they they come to him and say, well, when is this all going to happen? And he goes, that's none of your business. That's not for you to know. Don't figure out the time. You know, what if you knew he's coming back for sure in 2083? How will that change your life? Uh, duh, you're not going to, you know, but you know what? If you knew it was going to be next Saturday. Probably nothing would change till Friday night. It's imminent. Could be any time. And the power of living a life in such a way that you realize it could be any, it could be now. It could be today. There, there is, there's strength, there's power, there's hope in that kind of life. The, uh, the early church used this word, Maranatha. It simply means, come, O Lord. We believe that Jesus Christ will make an imminent physical return to this earth to completely destroy the world's system and establish the literal kingdom of God on this earth. Come, O oh Lord. Stand with me. Would those who are going to pray for people come forward? If you're here and you don't know Christ he knows you and he brought you here and the hope that we have I, I'm, I'm just telling you there's nobody you can elect who's going to change things for the better there's no law you can enact that's going to change things for the better it's really there's no war we can win that's going to change things for the better. That doesn't mean you don't have to fight wars. Some need to be fought. But the ultimate flow of things, the only thing that can change things is Jesus Christ. And the one who will change this planet when he returns is the one who can change your life right now. Changed mine. Testimonies all over this place. Lives that have been changed. So if you, need to, if you need Christ, we'd love to introduce you to him. Any of these brothers and sisters would. If you're here today and you just need, a, you need prayer for something, the kingdom of God is here. It's now. It, it, it will be established on the earth when he comes over the entire earth. But right now, it's here. If you need something, the benefits of the kingdom are available for you don't need to come then let's worship for a few moments we'll wait on those who who do those who are
God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent His Son into the world to redeem the world. May that redemption be active in your life. May those around you see the beauty of Christ and take in the fragrance of Christ. Desire to know Him. And may the kingdom that is coming be manifest and born in your life now through Jesus Christ our Lord.